We hate prying, but we love to pry. This week, I realized something that I'm not too proud of. I realized I was lying to myself. You see, around Christmas time, I was attending church and sitting in the choir loft, talking to the music director's husband. He has MS, so his mobility is limited, and he usually has to have someone assist him when he's moving from place to place. But he doesn't like that. He finds it very rude of him. He hates to be a burden. And he told me specifically that he doesn't want to be a burden. And it wasn't that statement that I didn't like. I totally agreed with it. I had the same view. But it was the word burden that really hurt. I told him, that's just one way to think about this. That's just your paradigm. A different way to think about it, to go about it, is to allow people to help you, to invite people to help you. And when they do, tell them a story. I asked him what he's done so far in his life, and he told me that he'd been a college athlete, he had flown fighter jets in the Air Force, and that he'd had a wonderful love life with his wife, who he's still with today. And I told him, I asked him, why don't you tell us about this? Despite having them be your kids, I can guarantee you that there's many stories that you haven't gotten to tell them. And with most of these experiences that you've listed already, others will never get the chance to. No one's going to have the same experience as a college athlete as you. Many people don't even get the opportunity to be a college athlete. Furthermore, not many people have the opportunity to fly fighter jets. Not many people join the Air Force. But no one has those same experiences as you. So I encouraged him to share those stories, to share those experiences with people who will never get the chance to. To allow that to live on in the eyes of others. And it seemed to change his thought process. And I asked him to tell me a story about it, and he did. And he did. He could see the smile on his face. Priceless. A couple weeks ago, I had an accident. I was squatting in the weight room, and something happened. I ended up with a barbell falling on my finger, and it obliterated my fingertip. Part of it broke off. The rest of the fingertip was split down the middle like a banana, and I was out of school for about six days. Uh, I had to have surgery on it, and I still have a splint on it right now as I'm recording. But I am disappointed in myself. I fell into the same thought process as the man in the choir loft. 
didn't ask people for help. I didn't ask people for assistance. I found ways to do stuff like opening my prescription bottles without being able to use both hands. I found ways to open up bags that I couldn't because I only had one hand. I would take scissors and I'd cut them open instead of having to rip them off the top. But it was definitely a little painful now and again. Not just physically trying to use my right hand, but also mentally to feel a bit separated from everybody else. And that has nothing to do with my hand. It has nothing to do with the injury. It just has to do with me not asking. I wish I did. I do now. And it's interesting. And you learn something about people. But I'm not proud to say that I didn't ask for assistance. I'm not proud to say that I was definitely a hypocrite. Now that I do ask people for assistance, though, it's amazing to see how people interact with it. You find little idiosyncrasies within people, such as the way that they open up a candy bar or a bag of chips, the way that they accept the offering of assistance. Some people are very timid about it and others don't mention it. Some people take pride in it and try to make a show of it, and others just do it quietly with their head down. But the one thing that almost everybody's done is said you're welcome after I thank them. Beyond these past couple weeks, I've been looking back at it and realizing that I've been doing this for a lot of my life. I've tried to be quiet for a lot of my life. I've taught myself how to walk quietly in my different shoes and on different floorings like carpet or tile. And I've learned how to go about things such as Velcro and zippers quietly. The whole idea of it was to not make a sound and to not attract attention. To not be a burden onto others. And it gets a little awkward at times when... You go to sit down behind someone on a bus or a movie theater and then you start talking to them and they're scared. They didn't know that you were there. This happens to my mom when I come up behind her and I try and start a conversation when she's doing the dishes or making dinner and she jumps. I don't, I do understand why. But I don't know why I do this. It's just always been something that I never wanted to be. Burdenous. I've also avoided attention a lot. Not in the sense of not taking the mic on a karaoke night or something. But avoiding rooms when there's something being held in there. Uh, an event, a gathering, or even if it's just a conversation between two people that I don't want to interrupt. I'll circumnavigate the room, or even the building. But, now that I'm a little older, now that I understand that these aren't things that I should be doing, not always at least, 
I've started to join conversations and I've gotten better at it. Definitely a learning curve, but worth the wait, worth the practice, worth the humiliation sometimes. But now I learn so many things from so many people. Joining in on conversations I never thought I'd have. Hearing viewpoints that I thought I'd never hear and seeking to understand them. Understanding what people think, why they think that, and being able to appreciate their viewpoint on it is something I never thought that I would have the ability to do. But now I can understand there's an appreciation behind it. So I continue. Other things that I've ended up avoiding in my life is talking to others about my feelings and whatnot. Some late nights, lying in bed just thinking, what did I do this, this day, this week? What did I do wrong? Very negative thoughts. And we all know that we shouldn't be doing this. We've all been told that we shouldn't be doing that. But a lot of us do. To even further restrict my knowledge to others, I only tell people half of my life, half of my stories. And yeah, it overlaps a lot, but I think maybe two or three people have heard the full story, have heard of everything that I've done, the goods, the bads, and the uglies. And it makes me feel safe. It lets me know that not everybody has the opportunity to hurt me in certain ways. But there's also that underlying tone of me just not wanting to press on all the goods, but more importantly, all the bads onto people. So I just don't tell them. Sure, they get some, but never all. And more recently, I've started to just be honest with people. When they ask me how I'm doing and I'm not doing good, I tell them. And they ask why. And then there's that conversation that I probably need. And they leave it with an understanding of your situation. And you can leave it with understanding that someone cares. I could recommend this to anybody. I do recommend this to everybody. Don't lie to others. Don't lie to yourself. Be honest when people ask you how you are. At times, you are going to have to lie about it because someone might not understand or it's something that they, in particular, shouldn't know. But on those days where you feel surrounded by those people, try and find someone, seek out someone who can understand, who you do feel comfortable talking to. Being a burden is only a paradigm. It's a very negative one. It's a little ironic. Believing that you're a burden 
was actually a burden unto others. Believing that you're a burden takes you back. It doesn't allow you to live your fullest. It doesn't allow you to be your true self. You hide things. You cover things up. You end up lying to others, whether you mean to or not, when you're trying to avoid being a burden. Extremely ironic. So I don't recommend that to anyone. I would hope that you can go out and share how you really feel with the people you really care about. Trying to hide who you are, your feelings, yourself, is like an artist recording on mute. Sure, it has a title and it has a length of the song, but there's no sound. No one will hear them. It creates a very dark and cold place. A room with no lights, no windows. Believing that you shouldn't be a burden does lead to not being a burden. It leads to having no one to share your loads with. No one's that strong. No one will ever be that strong. Understanding that you are your own worst enemy. Understanding that when it's just you in that dark windowless room with all your thoughts on your shoulders, you will break your legs and fall to the ground. Don't let that happen. Don't let others' time go by. You have an infinite amount of experiences that no one else will ever have. So share them. Allow others a glimpse into these things that they will never have the opportunity to go do, go see, go hear. Strive to be accurate in the way that you depict these things. Strive to be accurate with the words you choose. Strive to be accurate with the feelings that you portray. Make up words if you have to. Focus on the feeling of it. Personally, I've started describing my feelings in either words that feel correct, such as this morning someone asked me how I was and I said I was feeling grumbly. I don't even know what that word means, but it feels right. The other way that I've started to express myself and my emotions is with settings. I understand it sounds a little weird, but if you ever get the chance, take a seat and write down how your feelings would be if it was a location. A nice leather couch, all plump and cozy with a fireplace. Maybe someone there to hold you. A soft blanket. A nice book. A warm cup of cocoa. Or maybe you're lying on the blanket, 
that your parents would bring on picnics, laying under a dark navy blue stars in the sky, laying among the autumnal leaves, maybe a candle or two at the corners, taking in the smell of the hibernating trees. There's happiness, there's sadness. When someone asks you how you're doing and you say, I'm having a good day, I'm doing good, everything's going good. What kind of good is that? Is it the, nothing's bad, so it has to be good? Or is it a nice strawberry sundae on a hot summer's day good? All of these emotions that we tell people can mean different things at different times to different people. So the more accurately you can convey your emotions, the more accurately they can understand you. If you're ever trying to get someone to help you, they need to understand what you're doing, where you're coming from. If you're trying to get someone to understand how you feel, you have to make it as blunt as possible. You have to make it as accurate as possible. You can't tell someone that you're having a bad day and leave it at that. Your bad day and their bad day could be two completely different things. So tell them what's making it bad, why it's bad, how you feel, where you feel like you're at. The more accurate you can describe, the more accurate they can understand. The better the help will be. If you do begin to be more open with others and be more honest when answering their questions, you'll realize that this is a two-sided thing. You can be as open and honest, as transparent as you can be, but it means nothing if others aren't willing to listen, but more importantly, if others don't try to understand. So as people tell you things, you need to understand that it's burdenous to not understand. It's burdenous to not try to understand at least. So there are some things that you won't be able to understand that you just won't get. But still try to. And if you really can't advise that person who's telling you these things to go talk to someone else and advise them to go see a certain person that might understand better, that might understand more than you do in this case. But don't let that person's openness be taken for granted or be forgotten. It takes an immense amount of courage for someone to open up, and we can't squander that. It hurts. It really hurts. When you try to be open and people just refuse to want to understand. Again, it's okay if you don't. 
but don't make the conversation end because you can't. It's hard for me to express some things to others. Just this week I've had about three or four times I've been in minor paralysis because of some of the thoughts I've had. It's always the same thought. What happens after we die? I can think all the way up to it. But once you have to close your eyes for the final time, my whole body freezes and shuts down. There's some cries and screams and yelps in my head. But I can't physically make a noise. I tell some people this. And even fewer understand. But it makes me feel better to know that others are watching out for that now. I didn't try to one day. I was in sixth grade, home at class, and I had been gone for a week because of pink eye. And I had just finished a test, and I was reading Harry Potter. And I started to lose feeling in my fingertips and in my head. And I laid my head down on the desk and tears started to flood my eyes. And I was scared. I didn't know what was happening. I didn't know why this was happening. I had been having such a good day. It was only second hour. But it was happening. Eventually the teacher realized something was wrong. And when they asked Luke, are you okay? And I couldn't answer. They definitely got a little scared. So they hit the emergency white button in the room for the first time in their teaching career. And I got help. We realized that it was simply uh, stress and anxiety that had gotten to me. That and a pretty piss poor breakfast of cinnamon toast and milk. It felt like people would bark at me, try and pry me open. I hated that. It almost felt like they were doing it for sport. But they were only trying to help. I was too young, too naive to understand that. But now that I do, it's changed my life. It's made me not just a better person, but it's helped me find a safer headspace. And it's because of that that I try and help others with it. I actively try to understand what they say, their experiences, their life choices. I'm wrong to scrutinize them for whatever they do, especially if I hadn't been in that situation. I find it hard, though, to not try and critique people's actions and try and help them with what they could do or what they should have done. Because I don't know what it was like in that situation. I don't know how it felt to lose my parents. I don't know how it felt to attempt suicide. 
I don't know how it felt to be raped. So you listen. You nod your head. You appreciate that they share these things with you. You understand as much as you can. And you do not say anything except humbled reassurance. I would hope that this doesn't come across as me telling you what to do, but only recommending what I've found to work. People, when they try and open you up to their past, to their memories, don't need those to be changed. You can't change someone's life in hindsight. I find it wrong to try and correct someone's past, to try and taint their memories. As much as we like to think it's just turning one sour memory to a good one, that's where it starts, sure, with good intentions. But when someone tries to correct you and your past, that's only the seed. And it grows a tainted tree of darkness that ruins other memories. They're all interconnected. And it can ruin a vast majority of them. Now I look back at my own memories and I don't know if what I feel like now thinking on them is what I felt like in the moment. I don't know if that's anyone's fault. I don't even know if it's my fault. But it happened. And I can't change that. Some days it feels ungenuine when I think about what happened yesterday. When I think about what happened last year. When I think about what happened when I was younger. Because people have tried to correct my past actions. That does nothing. Instead of trying to correct others' past actions, try and help them with the future actions. Now, this isn't as simple as it may sound, but it's also not necessarily a process. All you have to do is listen, understand, and appreciate. Once you can appreciate someone's thoughts and actions, once you can appreciate their mindset and who they are and why they do what they do, then you can start to help them with the future. You can start to help them with what they can do next time they find themselves in a similar situation. But take your time with that. Don't rush. Help. Quality help, though it may take time, is much better than poor, rushed help. It's not just you that you affect when you're working with others.
the moment that you try to help someone. You put your thoughts, your feelings, your actions onto others. So this is one of those things that can actually manifest being less of a burden. If you truly want to be less of a burden, don't rush help. Think about the action. Be thought out. Be understanding and appreciative of others. Think about their future, contingencies, things that can happen to them, and then talk to them about it. They'll know more about their life and what could happen to them than you do most of the time. Helping isn't a one-person thing. It's not the mindset of, let me help you. It's the mindset of, let you help me help you. Let us help you. If you're trying to help someone, chances are you're most likely trying to help them not do things alone. So why would you try to help them alone? Why would you try to isolate yourself to help someone who's isolating themselves? Allow them to be a part of their own help, of their own assistance. Let them advise you on your advice to them. Understand what they say. Appreciate what they say. And then take it into account as you try a different way, as you try a different suggestion or recommendation. Everything has a reason. If you're trying to help someone, there's probably a reason that they're there too. Appreciate that. So as I leave you today, I ask you to remember that you are not a burden, that you are not alone, that everybody goes through trouble in their life at some point or another. And please, as others help you, seek to understand, appreciate, and help others back. Everything is there for a reason. Everyone needs help at some point. So please, be honest with each other. This has been To Taste the Smell of Blue by Luke Lindquist. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to email us at totastethesmelloflue at gmail.com. Again, that's totastethesmelloflue, all one word, all lowercase, at gmail.com. I hope you've learned something today. Thank you so much for listening. Hi, this is Luke. I do have to apologize for 
not being very good at uploading recently due to the injury and the accident. Uh, I haven't been able to focus very well. I've been on some prescription painkillers, and I've been getting off those now for the past week, so I'm doing okay now. Um, i just like to apologize for not uploading a whole lot with this being just the second episode and it being a month after the first one. I'm deeply sorry for that. But in the future, I hope to upload at least once every two weeks uh, with an episode like this and maybe a couple bonus episodes on every other week with things just like a story or how my week's going or maybe even uh, a guest on. And those would just come as uh, I can fill them out and as I feel like they're needed. But definitely be on the lookout for new episodes every other week. Thank you.